All right. Today I'm uh, going to talk about the lines the we believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. So the first thing that I'd like to do is talk about what those terms all mean. Um, I was talking with Colette and Amaziah yesterday and I asked them what holy meant and they were like, I don't know, and asked them what Catholic meant and they, I don't know, I don't know, and communion, and I don't know. So we're going to start with that because it's a good place to start. So the, the first word being holy, um, the best place in scripture to see the word holy used and used the best way that I think it can be used is in Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah goes and he is in the throne room of God Almighty and he is he sees the seraphim who have these six wings and they cover their face and their feet and they call out to one another and say holy 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 is Yahweh of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory and to represent what holiness means we see these angels covering their face saying God is so amazing so good so beautiful so set apart from us that we must cover our face and not look directly upon him they covered their feet because like when Moses was standing in front of the burning bush God said take off your sandals because where you're standing is holy ground the place where God is is ground that it we are to be careful how we walk when we are walking before one who is holy. And these angels cry out, holy, holy, holy. So they say it three times about God. And what, we're, what we mean when we say holy is that God is set apart, that he's different, that he is perfect. And when the angels say it three times, they're saying it, he is perfect, he is perfect, he is perfect, he is the embodiment he is everything that perfection is and so when we talk about holy in relation to the holy catholic church we are saying that we as the church are set apart we are made perfect we are taken from death to life now one of the things that the bible says in a few different ways in a few different places is that we are to be holy that holiness is something that we're to strive for, that we're to go for. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And so this holiness is something that we're to strive for. Now, when, when we talk about being saved, we talk about three different aspects to being saved. And we call it being justified, being sanctified, and being glorified. So to be justified is at one point you're dead and you have no life and the next moment you're alive and you have life. And that's what justification is, is you go from being looked at by God as sinful and, and worth nothing and that you should be killed and destroyed and the next moment God looks at you and sees Jesus. That's, that's what justified is. And then sanctified is this part that we're talking about here. This is the time in between being justified and when we die that we are being made holy. So over time, the Holy Spirit comes into us and makes us holy. And he 
he works in us and he helps us to put away sin and he helps us to put on righteousness and he helps us even though when God looks at us he sees someone who is holy who is righteous in his sight the Holy Spirit takes what is already true in what Jesus has done for us and works it out in our whole life and so that's what sanctification is and then glorification is the third thing in salvation and that is now you're dead and you are fully perfect not only does God look at you because you have the blood of Jesus on you but you actually are perfect and you live with him for all eternity and so this idea of the holy church is the group of Christians who are together and who are made perfect by the blood of Jesus. This is what holy means. Now, Catholic is from a Greek word that means universal. And so when we say that I believe in the holy Catholic church, we're saying that we believe in the church, the, the people of God that are set apart across all of time and all of space, and that they're all together as Christians. So we believe that whether you live here today and are a Christian, or you lived 800 years ago in Northern Africa, or you lived 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, we are all part of that Catholic church, that universal church. Now the next word is church. We use this word a lot. And the Bible uses it a lot, and it is sometimes a useful word, and sometimes it, we misunderstand it. So the word church, we're going to have a little bit of a Greek study here, is the word ekklesia. And it's all through the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, and every time that church is brought up, with a very few exceptions, it's talking about the people of God assembled together to worship him. It is the gathering of God's people together. So when we see it in, and, and this is proved, I think, best in Matthew chapter 18. Because in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is talking about the, when you have somebody who sins against you. And Jesus is, of course, living in before he dies. And he's in uh, I don't know where he is at this point, but he's talking with his disciples. He's talking with the people and he ta says, if you're, and this is in verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his faults between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to, listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now, Jesus, of course, is living before what we think of as the establishment of the church, as in the body of Jesus, who gathers together since his death and resurrection. And yet he is referring to this church, this ecclesia, this gathering of God's people together. And so this is all the way through, even when Moses gathered all of the people of Israel together, they were the ecclesia of God the gathered people of God. And so when we say that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, we believe that we, we believe in the set apart, universal, gathered people of God from Jesus to now. 
Because that is, and, and we, when we look at the creed, specifically what we're talking about is those who are saved by faith in Jesus. So we are not necessarily looking at from the creation of the world to now, although we can look at Abraham and say that he was saved by faith in Jesus, though he hadn't seen Jesus yet and didn't know him. But when we say it, we're specifically thinking all of the gathered people of Jesus who are saved by grace through faith, that is who the Holy Catholic Church is. So that's the first portion of this. The second portion is the communion of saints, which builds on the Holy Catholic Church. So for this, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And 1 Corinthians 10, Paul speaks, up, and this is where this, this particular part of the creed, the words from the creed come directly from this passage. And depending on what translation of the Bible you have, you're going to see different words here. Um, I'm going to read it in the ESV, but I'm going to highlight the words that make up this um, part of the creed. This is 1 Corinthians 10, verse 14 and on. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a communion in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a communion in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel, are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? And so what Paul is getting at here is, and I use the word communion because that, um, again, I don't know what Bibles you guys all have, but some of them say communion, some of them say participation, some of them say fellowship. And the concept is that when we partake of the cup and the bread, that we are communing together with the body and blood of Christ. We are coming together, and Paul goes beyond that and says, even Israel, when Israel is coming and to partake of the altar, they're all together, even though they are going to come at different times. And not all Israel, not all million, two million Israelites are all going to come together and eat at the exact same time. But this idea that all of those, every single believer who partakes of the cup and the bread is partaking and communing with Jesus and with one another in that. So this is really, and then the, the word saint means one who is saved. One who is no longer in the state of sin and worthy of death, but is now saved. So the communion of saints is when we as Christians come together and we participate with one another in worship, and specifically the worship of the bread and the cup. Now it goes further than that, and we'll go to Ephesians chapter 4 for this. Because in Ephesians chapter 4, one of the things that Paul is very concerned with is unity. And this is what the creed it, and when we stand up and or when we say the creed, when we declare, I believe in the communion of saints, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, we are declaring with Paul this concept of unity together. So Paul says, I, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk 
in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So we have this statement that we are all, because we have the Holy Spirit, communing with Jesus and with each other when we worship together. And Paul brings it together and says it's a corporate thing and says that there's one body, one spirit. And then he brings it to the individual level and says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so it is both a universal thing where every single Christian is together, communing together in the spirit, has unity, but we each have different gifts and we each have different measures of grace that are given to us, but we all participate together. So this is the essence of what we mean when we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. Now, what does it actually do for us? What is the point of this? Why, why do we care if we believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints? And I have been thinking a lot about this because <laughs> I have, I've listened to a lot of, in the last 10 years, I've listened to a lot of podcasts and I've listened to a lot of sermons of, of a lot of Christians who agree with each other or disagree with each other. And sometimes Christians who get very harsh on how people do church, because we, and, and actually let me just back this up a little bit, how we do church. This is something that we use as a term, right? And I use the Holy Catholic Church, that's what the creed means, and it means the assembled believers. Now we, in North American context, use the word church to refer to a building, to refer to a group that comes together on a particular Lord's Day and worships together or that comes together at another time, not necessarily on the Lord's Day, and worships together. Now, that's maybe not a accurate use of the word church according to the Bible, but if we can distinguish when somebody is saying, you know, I go to church, they're talking about going to a particular building at a particular time, and I am part of the church, which is the universal group of believers who are all together in faith in Christ. There's not necessarily a problem with using it two different ways. Um, we can say when we assemble together, when we fellowship with one another, there's a lot of different ways to put it. Um, I just want to clarify that because I wanted to find terms and make sure that I'm using them in a way that everybody understands. So I hear pastors or, or podcasters talk about doing church in a particular way, assembling with believers, and you have to do it in a very, very specific way. Now, one of the things that we're saying when we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints, is that every other group of believers who meets in a totally different way than we do, we are communing with them. We are brothers and sisters with them. If they have faith in Jesus, we are their family. And the Bible does not give us a step-by-step -step way to organize this gathering. It tells us that you should sing, 
The Bible tells us that you should pray together. The Bible says that you should have the apostles teaching, that you should break bread with one another, that as often as you meet, you should do this in remembrance of me, referring to the Lord's Supper. These are all principles that we take from scripture, and we put it together like this. In the book of Acts, the people came together and met in houses. In the book of James, the people were meeting in synagogues. Doesn't matter where you meet, one of those places is not more holy than the other. The people are the holy part. We are the part that make the church. Amen. And so when we are together in communion, in fellowship, that's what the church is. So you can go to the Baptist church or the Pentecostal church or the Covenant church. And if you are there with other Christians, you are fellowshipping. You are together with the church. And we sometimes, and it's not a bad thing for us to think, I want to do our meeting on Sunday morning as close to scripture as possible. But we have to understand that we often read scripture through a very cultural lens. We often see things in a way that if you live in another part of the country or another part of the world, you're not going to see things. And it's not that that's bad or that's wrong or that, you know, the same person preaching every Sunday is a problem or that if nobody preaches, there's a problem. However, a group of believers comes together, if they're founded on the word of God and they decide that they want to make their worship time as close as possible to the word of God, then they are doing their best to honor God in their fellowship. And we have to have grace for one another. Now, I think it's a good thing for us to come together and do it this way, which is why I'm here preaching, is because I think this is a good way for us to come together and worship God. I think it's important that we do this every Lord's Day. I think that's very important. I think that scripture tells us that's, that that's important. I think it's important that there's opportunity for those of you sitting there to have an opportunity to pray or to share something or to read from the word. We think that that's really important. And so we do this this way. But this is not sacred the way that we do things. This is not the only possible way that you can do church on a Sunday morning. And so we have to have grace for one another. The other thing that is important for us is when we talk about communion, when we talk about the communion of the saints, it is really vital to find Christians that you can yoke with and be with on a regular basis. When the Christians were, when the people were first saved, they came together, they formed a community, they loved each other, they were together often, they met in one another's homes, they ate together, they did things together because we can be in a community like this of five to 15,000 people, depending on how big of a net you wanna cast, and there's a lot of Christians. And we're only going to see some of those Christians on a regular basis. So we should find Christians, yoke with them, and commit to loving them. And commit to their good. And we should encourage those who are in the Baptist church to yoke with and commit to one another for their good. And we should, and we should look at every other group of Christians and say, this is good. You found Christians that you can be together with. Now be together with them, love each other, help one another, you know, do what the scripture says with one another. And 
we need to guard against the idea that I can just be by myself as a Christian and never go out and be with any other Christians and it's okay. Because if you are never with God's people, if you're never with the family of God, then you never have the opportunity to love the people of God. You never have an, an opportunity to build into the people of God, to disciple the people of God. And so we have to, in talking about, I believe in the communion of saints, we believe that we should be together. That we should not be by ourselves. That we should help one another. That we should guide one another, guard one another, protect each other, love each other. So the practical outworking of this is pretty simple. Find a group of believers, which I think we've done here. Love each other. Participate together in the Lord's Supper. And don't look with judgment and wrath upon those who decide to worship God in a slightly different way. As long as they are committed to the word of God and we are committed to the word of God, we can love each other and we can bear with each other even when, well, I don't really like how charismatic their worship is. Or, well, I don't really like that they have one single pastor who gets up every Sunday and preaches. Well, we have to bear with them because they're looking at scripture and saying, I think this is the way that the scripture says. And God didn't give us a step-by-step instruction book. He gave us this so that in every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, people would come to Christ and worship God. And we can commune with them through these basic things like the participation in the Lord's Supper and baptism that, though we do it in this little group, is a communion with the greater body of Christ throughout the ages. So that's my encouragement to you today. Let's uh, pray for a little bit here and then we'll go back into some singing. Lord, thank you that you have given us your word, that we have the opportunity to read it and understand it. Lord, I pray that as this small group of believers builds one another up, that we would have grace, that we would have love for each other, that we would be committed to the good of each person in this room and who is a part of our congregation. Father, we pray that for all of those who are part of our congregation that aren't with us this morning, that we would still feel communion with them and love to them, that we would honor them in prayer and in all of those things. Lord, I pray that we would be committed first and foremost to holiness, to you, to your ways, and to doing what you say, and that it would not be our own personal things that get in, our, get in the way, but that we would focus on what you want, Lord. Father, make us perfect, make us holy, make us righteous, as we go from being justified by the blood of Jesus to glorified and with you, I pray that you would make us more holy every day. In Jesus' name, amen.